What's up, all my good people out there that ain't doing nothing, sitting on the couch, having fun, living life, striving for success? This is your boy, Daniel Gafford, from the Washington Wizards. You are listening to the Zen Man Podcast. You know what I'm saying? Goofy little podcast. We do a lot of things up here. It be lit. We be talking about a lot of good stuff. Can't cuss. That's why I had, you know what I'm saying, said stuff. <laughs> but other than that, tune into the podcast. We lit. Keep striving for greatness. Keep striving for success. Gafford out, baby. Reset button. I said, you are listening to the Zan Man Podcast, baby. You are listening to the Zan Man Podcast, baby. That's right. That's the new introduction. Not really. As you heard at the beginning, Rocky already played this in, so it was all just a ruse. All just a ruse all along. But finally, I'm back. With another episode of the Zan Man Podcast. No excuses, no explanation, but yeah, we should be on a better upload schedule um, due to the fact that I'm no, no longer on the overnight, so that's one thing. A lot of things have changed since the last episode. Got a new job that I'm starting uh, the Monday after recording this, which I'm recording it on the Sunday before the Monday, so... As you guys may or may not be listening to this, I might be working my new job right now, which I'm super excited for. God is good, man, and he answers prayers because in this new job, I wanted a couple of things. I wanted better pay. I wanted, um, you know, to work on a schedule where I didn't have to work overnights. That way I could be more involved in my wife and my kid's life. I wanted one that had good insurance so I could be a little bit more secure in working that job. And then I wanted one um, in which I could have Sundays off so I could go to church. And I'm blessed enough to say all four of those got checked off. There was a couple where I was like, "Uh, well, maybe we can work with this or maybe we can work with that. But nope, I found one that checked all four of the boxes off. So with me being on a morning schedule now, I should be able to get back on a uploading schedule. And that is where we will leave that conversation as we dive into all these these goodies and all these recording sessions that I have ready to go. I really do. Like, I, I made sure to stock up on my way out of Hope Gospel, on my way out of the overnight position. I had access to a computer, and I stocked up Google Doc after Google Doc after Google Doc after Google... How long is he going to go? <laughs> I could have just gone on for like 20 minutes after Google Doc, after Google Doc, after Google Doc. You pass by a Wendy's, somebody just hears you like a Google Doc, like a Google edit sound. It's it's obviously getting distorted as it's coming out of the window as you're passing by. And people are like, oh my gosh, what is he listening to? And if you don't get it, that's fine. That's good. You're pure minded. But I am not. And <laughs> Anywho. Enough of the tomfoolery. It's time we jumped foot first into the shallow pool of a Zanman podcast and broke both of our legs with the absolute sheer bluntness of the context that's going forward. I'm sure you've already seen the title. I've got all sorts of stuff to catch up about. We are doing a phone topics of doom. And even though I don't have an introduction, I'm feeling 
I'm feeling whimsical today. Go ahead, Alex, and show them what you came up with. <laughs> if if you came up with anything. And if you didn't, you left me hanging. And uh, I'm going to look real stupid. But go ahead and show them. That's so much worse than I expected it to be, honestly. But it's something. That's right. That signifies that the Phone Topics of Doom is here. And in case you are new to the podcast and you have no idea what Phone Topics of Doom is, allow me to explain it to you. It it was consumed is not the right word. It was brought about... Back in the Dizzy, whenever I worked at my job in Missouri, I had a lot of time to just stand there and think as I was doing all sorts of uh, work with shipping out goodies to to the rest of the United States. And, um, well, for lack of a better term, I, these thoughts began to pile up and pile up and pile up, but a lot of them were too vague to be a, an entire episode all by themselves. So I would write them down on a Google Doc. And before you know it, they would just be filled with an entire list of them to the point where I would bring them up and do it all in in one big swoop. And we would call it the Phone Topics of Doom. And now here we are, continuing that tradition. I'm pretty sure we're in the double digits. Don't quote me on that. But uh, we've been going for a long time since then. And between that, uh, between... Um, Having, you know, the saved area on Facebook where you you look at an article and you're like, huh, that's interesting, but I don't really have time to read it right now, so I'll save it for later. And then you never go back to do it, so by the time you go back to your save section, you have legitimately 300, 400 items. Some of you are probably worse than that. You probably have thousands. But me, I just had a good 400, 500. Went through, and most of them weren't you know, too much to sneeze at, but I got quite a bit of content from that, so I am excited to proceed forward as such. Uh, But before we get to that point, I'm not going to break it down any further. We are going to go into various segments. And already, I can feel my mouth drying up, which is perfect, because we are about to dive into a segment that I like to call... (sighs) I ran out of breath. Drink review. This week's drink review is a bit of a weird one. Um, you guys remember the the Bob Ross energy drink that I uh, reviewed not too long ago. Um, the reason why I say that is because I record some of these very close, but I don't use them for like a month or two sometimes. So I don't know whenever it's going to show up. But while my wife was buying that Bob Ross one, she bought a couple of other drinks as well. And this is one of those. And it is called <clears throat> Sangria Strawberry Ramu Bottle. It is carbonated soft drink, and it is strawberry flavor. And it's got Japanese symbols all over it, so I'm absolutely uh, intrigued. I imagine she got it out of the section where they have the the little Pocky um, chocolate treats and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I don't really know what to expect. It is in a tin bottle. It's got a very Japan-oriented label to it, as I've already described, and so there's nothing else left really to do but to to try it. So let's get it. It's really strawberry cream-flavored, I would say. Um... It's, it's almost weird because it's kind of like a, uh, like not quite, but really close to like a strawberry high chew. If you've ever had those little 
chewy candies that you can get. It's very good. Here, let's take another drink. Yeah, no, it's like they got the high chew from strawberry and turned it into a carbonated beverage. So it is very good. Like, I don't want to overrate it. I should probably drink a couple of them. But in terms of like a soda, probably the best strawberry drink I've ever had. <laughs> I would definitely recommend. Here, let me repeat it to you. Sangria Strawberry Ramu Bottle. And just look for like a Japanese tin bottle. But it is it is fantastic. I blew my expectations out of the water. Absolutely amazing. In fact, I'm going to end right now and say that's this week's drink review. I'm going to go let Annalise try it. Interjecting back in for a second, my wife pointed out something very true. Um, the fizz is, as she described it, nice <laughs> like almost like the bottle they selected helps it operate in a certain manner to where it goes down a lot smoother because it is in like this tin canister uh, you see some energy drinks have a certain kind of metal to where it like replicates a uh, nos container or something like that well that's kind of what this bottle is and uh, the fizz is very soft very smooth it's not sharp it's not bubbly it's not peppery like a soda or certain energy drinks have it's just very straightforward and smooth and so on top of having like a candy like flavor it just goes down very easy but as candy as the flavor is it's something i could see drinking with meals and stuff so definitely once again two thumbs up can't recommend it enough and we all know what goes good with a great beverage a great movie and here on this podcast, we like to do a segment that is dedicated to finding good movies. Movies that the Zan man himself, me, has never seen before. And so the question we have to answer for ourselves is, did we find a good movie this week? Well, let me tell you about it in a segment that I like to call... My, My Roar! Movies Overview Eric. On this week's Myra, we got some catching up to do. And so I'm going <laughs> to, at the risk of having no backups for next week, I'm going to just clear the clip and put all three movies that I have. And we're going to have to figure out how to rank them because, well, it's my fault for letting it go on this long without uh, doing, any, doing any work, putting that work in. So we're just going to jump straight into it. And the first movie in question is a Peacock exclusive it is from M. Night Shyamalan, and it is called A Knock at the Cabin. Um, for the most brief summary of the movie, it is a, a couple and their daughter is in a cabin in the woods, and one day, randomly, a random man comes and talks to the daughter, and before you know it, some weird end of the world uh, mumbo-jumbo happens. The four people that come out of the woods take the people in the cabin hostage to an extent. There's a lot more details in that. And they make them make a difficult choice. They willingly have to sacrifice one of the three family members to prevent the end of the world. And uh, for, I don't know, I don't want to spoil too much because I actually really did enjoy this one. My wife, not so much. I think it did a great job of building it. I think the character work was some of Dave Bautista's best acting. And if you don't know who Dave Bautista is, he is the guy who plays Drax the Destroyer from Guardians of the Galaxy. I think him uh, being both intimidating, but at the same time a nice guy who 
doesn't want to do what he's doing but feels like he has to do it. I think he does a very good job of conveying that on screen and it shows just how long he's come away uh from a uh, you know being an actor. I will fully admit that if he wasn't in this movie it wouldn't be as enjoyable. <laughs> um because it was a movie and there were times where it was building to something and then whenever it came time to pay off that build up it was very anticlimactic. And I think that's what ruined the taste of, uh, I won't speak for her, but I'm pretty sure that's what soured the taste of uh, this movie for my my wife as she was consuming it. Um, it was just kind of like, okay, where's this going? Where's this going? Where's it? Oh, well, where's that going? Uh-oh. And it just, it's time and time after that. And I can definitely see that. But for me, I think it did a great job of enjoying it. It had a premise that stuck you. And even though the ending for me wasn't the most satisfying thing in the world, it was definitely a good movie all the way through, and I don't regret watching it. In fact, I would probably go back and watch it again. Um, that being said, we got four interesting movies to where we could place that around. Um, and I think by looking at the four that we have, this movie will be best placed by... Um, we'll put it in the second spot. A Knock at the Cabin goes in the second spot. Um, sorry, I'm kind of typing. I think it, it takes a good spot at the second place because it's right above 21 Bridges. And to me, 21 Bridges was a really good movie. It was action-oriented. The shooting uh, scenes were really good. Uh, but it, for the most part, other than a couple of scenes, it was just forgettable. Um, and I'm sure my wife would say that A Knock at the Cabin was forgettable. But Batista's performance alone uh, makes it more memorable than any of the movies that I place below it. And I just don't have the heart to place it above Scream. I don't think it's quite that... Uh, that high up, I should clarify, it's Scream 6. I don't think it's quite that good of a movie in comparison to Scream 6. And so that's why I can calmly put it at number 2, where it's better than some of these other B, C category movies, but um, just not enough to be with the elites. And so moving that off that, we have uh, the next movie, which is an Amazon exclusive. And it was actually recommended to me a long time ago. I want to say multiple years ago by... Uh, Longtime listener, longtime supporter, longtime guest of the podcast, Rocky, the guy who plays in our intro. Um, he recommended to me a Tomorrow War, which is where uh, a catastrophic event happens in the future and they're so desperate for warriors, they're so desperate for bodies that they start enlisting people from the past. And there's a bunch of different stipulations to that and everything, and I don't want to ruin the movie for you because, again, it's, it's one of those ones where I feel like you guys should go and watch it for yourselves um and i really enjoyed it i think chris pratt because that's that's the main man in this thing and he's in everything nowadays i know that but for good reason he does a good job he's in the super mario brothers movie spoiler alert <laughs> he's in the uh the tomorrow war he's in guardians of the galaxy it seems no matter where you turn he is uh he is everywhere and i think this uh movie his performance kind of tells why of that he was very enjoyable he was very good in it uh, but to me, the highlight of the movie are the things they are fighting. In the future, the things they are fighting are these alien creatures. And at first, they just kind of look like mindless, stupid, uh, giant things that would just rip your face off. But the way they communicate, the way they strategize, it makes them very intriguing, very interesting. And you can see why they're such a formidable threat. And a lot of times in movies like this where it's like, we're extinct just because these animals want to eat us. But these things are like 
smart. <laughs> they're smart. They're overpowered. They have the abilities to take down humans. And so you can see why uh, humanity kind of was desperate and brought them back in time. And the premise was... Uh, the movie didn't overstay its welcome. I don't think it was too long or anything like that. It, 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 it comes in right at about two hours, if I'm not mistaken. And it does a good job of pacing to the point where it definitely does not feel like a two-hour movie. So I think it's very enjoyable. And honestly, I would put it right above A Knock at the Cabin, where we, we, we just had. And I say right above it, but I do think Tomorrow War is a significantly better movie than uh, knock at the cabin it's one that will stick with you it's one where the performances were good it's a huge summer action spectacle and it earns every bit of that hype in my opinion so i will put it at the second spot right below scream again i although the scream six was not my favorite i did say that scream five was uh significantly better in my opinion it still holds a high candle it still does a good job of building tension and overall it's still my favorite movie uh out of these for the year and then the final one as i said spoiler alert you might have caught on to it you might not have it is the super mario brothers movie which i'll i'll go ahead and say it's funny because i see a, a, some christians uh on facebook kind of downing it because there is a star that's depressed and it's kind of demented because it's a kid voice actor uh but it's a star that's like everybody's all doom and gloom they got caught by bowser they're spending the rest of their days here there's no hope and then it just shoots over to the star and the star's like death is a void we must walk towards it and she's like it's a star that wants to die um which if you look into it and everything like that I'm, I'm sure there's some kind of star humor because in reality stars are just existing to explode granted it takes them a ridiculous amount of time to do that but um, I digress. I didn't think it was as doomy and gloomy as some of the Christians are making it out to be. In fact, it was a great movie through and through. And as far as a plot goes, it's about what you would expect from a Mario movie. It's not this big, complex thing. Although I do like how they explained a couple of things. Chris Pratt goes into this as Mario and doesn't have the Mamma Mia, it's a meatball voice or anything like that. And they kind of explain where that voice went. In this universe, um, Mario does that voice in his commercials for his plumbing company uh which was really cool to do it and at the same time a lot of people are like we're downing chris pratt's voice i think he did a fine job if you're the thing people need to realize in these kind of movies is if you're gonna adapt a video game into a movie you have to get a voice actor who's able to do a voice for an entire movie i'm sure if we went through the entire movie and it was like an hour and a half Halfway through, after hearing that Mamma Mia voice and him trying to talk full sentences of that, you'd be sick of that voice. I think they did a good job of understanding that, realizing that. And although they kind of nodded to it at times a little bit, they did a good job of finding a voice actor who could kind of get it. Because it was kind of like a, I don't even want to call it a Brooklyn accent. It was kind of a, like an, like an as Americanized Italian voice. Not like the stereotypical Italian voice that like Mario normally has, but more of an Americanized one. I don't know. I think he did a really good job. I think they did a good job of casting uh, Luigi. I think they did a good job of t casting Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Uh, I think the casting was on point. They had a good building block. And although it's not like, you know, this... I, I, I think a lot of people... 
I'm I'm trying not to take credit from it. It's it's not the most smart plot you'll ever see, but it was done very well. If you were a fan of the video games, there's going to be plenty that you can look back on and be like, oh, "Wow, so that's how they incorporate it and everything." And so it's just a more than more than being focused on the plot, it is more so a focus on pointing out a bunch of Easter eggs and giving nods to the people who grew up with Mario. And that is a beautiful thing. I liked the soundtrack. I liked the actors. And there wasn't really anything I disliked about this movie. Um, and I would I would say it's about um, where I would rank Scream 6, honestly. I'll put it at the number one spot. Um, to me, it's, it's about the same, where I was expecting it to be a significantly better movie I put higher expectations on than the movie probably deserved because the Super Mario Brothers pro uh, property is is this big, huge ordeal. Uh, but it didn't disappoint. It hit all of the expectations and even surpassed it in certain areas. So I do think it sits comfortably at the number one spot as we empty the clip. And so let's go ahead and read down the top seven because that's all we got so far this year. Seven is Red Notice. Six is Pontypool. Five is 21 Bridges. Four is the newly added A Knock at the Cabin. Three is a newly added Tomorrow War. Two is Scream 6, and number one is the newly added number one overall movie of 2023 so far, the Super Mario Brothers movie. And that's this week's Myra. In case your day is bleak, Hi. this is the joke of the week. You heard the beatbox, yeah, you heard the jingle. Hopefully I tell a joke that makes your earbuds tingle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Now, I tell you guys a joke of a joke of the week because it's it's part of my identity now, you know? Like everywhere I go, I'm known for telling stupid jokes. Absolutely stupid brain dead jokes. And uh, it gets a giggle sometimes. And so finally to uh, kind of unload the clip, much like how I did with uh, the Myrar, on my final email that I sent out after a... Uh, you know, my final shift at Hope Gospel, I sent out because I, at okay, back it up for a second. So at the end of every e email you have to, or at the end of every shift, you have to send an email that is your end of shift report to kind of let them know if anybody was dropped off at the hospital, if any big weird happenings, if there was somebody you needed to keep an eye on, um, you, you just include it in the end of shift report. Uh, and so most of them were pretty like standard. They were pretty like, Hey, good day. Hopefully everybody's doing good. Yeah, no, here it was pretty peaceful. Uh, anyway, here's a stupid joke. And I would end the email with a joke. Well, I, I kept adding jokes to the queue. And eventually when I put my two weeks in, I knew I wasn't going to finish that queue. So in my final end of shift report, I unloaded the clip and here's what the result was. You may have heard some of these jokes already. I've told some of them on the podcast, but I figured it was fitting just so you could be in the shoes of the people who had to receive these emails. First one's a classic. What do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. My wife broke my favorite lamp yesterday. I won't ever be able to look at her in the same light again. Why does Superman never need a babysitter? Because he's always had supervision. <laughs> How quaint. How quaint. What's the difference between Spider-Man and Superman? Peter Parker can shoot webs, but Clark Kent... <laughs> that's, a, that's a beautiful one. That sure does tickle my jimmies. 
Um, justice is a dish best served cold. If it was served warm, it would be just water. <laughs> That's more close to the kind of jokes I tell on a daily basis. Because most are mine of, are, I don't know. <laughs> it Like somebody says like, Alex, you can't go now. You don't have the right of way. Um, and I'll like, I, like see off the top of my head, this is going to come off closing. But I was like, well, thank God I don't have the left in. Or something like I don't know, I, I don't know. That's that's a that's an attempt. Waffles aren't the healthiest food, but if you eat them stacked, you could consider it a balanced breakfast. And then I gave my friend an apple, but he told me he prefers pears, so I gave him another apple. <laughs> I, I warned you. I, I told you they're stupid jokes. So if you rolled your eyes, if you had an aneurysm, I apologize. Hopefully no one's crashing from the aneurysms that were caused by that. But regardless, hopefully they made at least one person smile in spite of all the accidents. So, yeah. Let's close it away by telling you a crazy, crazy story. Yeah, I'll, I'm not going to give it away. G- jingle. Whether it be a shooting or cooking your neighbor's cat, we're here to talk about Florida Man and that is a fact. Hey, hey! This week's Florida Man isn't actually a Florida Man. It's a Wisconsin Man. (laughs) And I have to do it. It's from a few years back, and the title simply, simply reads, Man Arrested After Mike's Cheese Shack Robbery Tells the Officers He Doesn't Even Like Cheese. I won't read the name of the person because I know the person that this is being questioned for. Uh, He actually told me this story uh, while at the place that I work. I was driving him to the uh, the next part of the day, and uh, he told me this story. So I'm not going to out him um, or talk trash on him or anything. That's not what this is about. The story made me giggle, and I straight up looked at him and said, that's straight up Florida man junk, dude. He goes, yeah, I know, but it was a dare. <laughs> was like, that's that's an uh, interesting question. But I'm going to leave his name out of it. it. Happened Friday at Mike's Cheese Shack in Eau Claire. Witnesses say this man went into the restaurant to order food and gave the cashier money. The worker said he appeared to be intoxicated. Witnesses say when the worker opened the register, he reached across the counter and grabbed cash out of the register and ran. When the police found Ford and he denied being at Mike's Cheese Shack and told the officers he was originally from Arkansas and he didn't even like cheese unless it was Swiss. <laughs> he may also uh, endure theft charges was the end of the, the article. But that is straight up Florida man stuff. The way he told me the story was it was at gunpoint and he was robbing them at gunpoint for cheese curds. So who knows if that's another isolated incident or whatnot, but... That is crazy. Either way, that is this week's Wisconsin man. Because even Wisconsinites can go buck wild and crazy sometimes. I'm sure we have some of those stories down in Missouri as well. Either way, if you have a good story, submit it. And I will read it on the podcast if you're... Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, take that. All right. But first, we're going to take a break before we dive into the phone topics of doom. We're going to take a short break. It's going to be a break for me, not a break for you, but here's some music. Allow us to dive back in here shortly. Righto, this is Alex from a different universe coming in to give you a message here on this break. And you might be wondering, wait, it's only a few seconds. It's only a few moments. How is it possibly a break? 
Well, it's called a break because, you know, Alex uses this time and records multiple sessions to put this podcast episode together. Because sitting there back to back, having to do all the talking himself, uh, gets a little bit tiring on the vocal cords. So this is usually the intermission. Well, this is interdimensional, Alex, coming in to say that we are going to congratulate the Denver Nuggets on winning the NBA Finals. And not to brag or anything, but uh, Zanman, to his co-workers, actually predicted what the final score was going to be. He always predicted that the Nuggets were going to win it five games, and as they won four games to one, that's exactly what they did. Granted, 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 it wasn't exactly in the manner. He said the Nuggets were going to take the first two games, then the Heat were going to take one game and not win a single game. Heat ended up taking the second overall game of the series, but I digress. These are just little corners that were bending over. It still works, but a huge congratulations to the Denver Nuggets, one of the best put-together teams overall in recent memory. They have just a stacked defense, a stacked offense, and then they're led by, in my opinion, the best man in the NBA today, Nikola Jokic, which is kind of weird because usually when someone wins the MVP, there's a little bit of flash to their game, and a lot of people will argue that that's Giannis Antetokounmpo wasn't the flashiest player, but the dunks, the big beefiness to his play style, I would I would beg to differ. This is the first time we have a guy who's just extremely good at the fundamentals, and when you look at his... Um, when you look at his highlights, the most flashy part of his game is the passing. But in terms of scoring, in terms of rebounding, it's all just very basic stuff that he does extremely well. And to me, that's that's what the best player should have. The best fundamentals, the best game, and he's surrounded by some of the best teammates. So shout out to Nikola Jokic, shout out to the Denver Nuggets, and shout out to the people they beat, the Miami Heat. Uh, Jimmy Butler in particular, because this dude has proved he is one of the best players in the league over the past three seasons. And so shout out to you, sir. I'll give you your flowers, but I'm ultimately going to give flowers to the champions, the Denver Nuggets. This is your time. Enjoy it. And now we hit the Fowl Towers Yeah, yeah, you know that's what I said. Fowl Towers Until my face gets red. Fowl Towers There's time to sleep when I'm dead. Fowl Towers My favorite color's red. Phone Topics of Doom. Beautiful. If there were a couple more drums in there, we could have released that on Spotify as its own hit single, but we didn't because this is a podcast. This is Phone Topics of Doom where we're going to throw out all sorts of crazy topics, but I already gave this segue in the introduction. You got to hold your horses. You don't get two segues. You get one segue. What do you think this is? A racetrack? What are you saying? Segway's not a car. Well, <laughs> this is awkward. Yeah. Hey, 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 calm, calm down, calm down. We ain't got to argue about this. Freaking tired of arguing. It seems like no matter where you go nowadays, man, everybody wants to argue about every little thing. Oh, you don't support the LGBT community? Let's argue about it. Oh, you don't believe my form of Christianity? Let's argue about it. Oh, you like Pepsi instead of Coke because you work there? Let's argue about it. Oh, you use an iPhone instead of a <laughs> instead of an Android <laughs> superiority complex. Let's argue about it. 
oh, you drive a different brand of car than I drive a different brand of car? Let's argue about it. And, like, it's never, like, a joke argument nowadays either. Like, because back in the day, and even in at my uh, last job, we would have, like, little mock arguments. We're like, oh, okay, look at me over here. <laughs> and stuff like that. No, it's never this. It's, like, somebody's goal for the day is arguing with another person to prove their point right so they can go to bed, you know, satisfied. And I get it. There's there's a uh, an intrigue to arguing, I guess you could say. Everybody has it for something, I suppose. Um, I, I would be lying if I said there was never a point in time where I, I just never wanted to argue. That's not the case. I never wanted to argue about, like, political stuff or beliefs and stuff like that, uh, which in many of our beliefs that it, it calls to defend our beliefs, but somebody having a difference of opinion doesn't need you to defend your beliefs. And it, somewhere along the way, we got lost. Somewhere along the way, if somebody has a different belief system than you, that means they're wrong, they need to be told they're wrong, and you need to hate them for it. And I'm just kind of tired of that mindset nowadays, man. Um, for so many different reasons. Um, and there's there's something that was brought up because of that, but uh, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background. For me, it's if I'm going to argue about stuff, it's about kind of like pointless, piddly stuff. That way, by the end of the conversation, no one like walks away feeling angry about something it's not going to be an argument that people like keep with them for the rest of the day because a lot of these arguments that happen on facebook maybe maybe i'm in the wrong here maybe i'm uh you know overlooking things and some of these arguments aren't that deep and people are just having conversations because i do believe that there are a lot of conversations that happen nowadays that you know, kind of seem like they're being arguments, but it is a civilized conversation and no one's going for the throat or anything like that. But for the majority of things, at least on Facebook and a social media setting, it feels like people are just ready to kill anyone that <laughs> does not have the same opinion as them. Uh, that's in full effect, especially whenever uh, Dave Batista, a man who I'm a huge fan of, uh, he's a professional wrestler by the name of Batista. And then after he retired from wrestling, he went on to be an actor. His most prominent role. Uh, and we actually just talked about him uh, in the Myrar. He produced that A Knock at the Cabin movie and was a big part in that, in the M. Night Shyamalan movie. But he's made, most uh, primarily known for his role in the Marvel movie Guardians of the Galaxy as Drax the Destroyer. The guy who sit still and no one or move so slowly that no one can see him he believes he has that power that's that's dave batista and uh his belief in his uh here i'm gonna just see if i can find it and read it to you because it's kind of a it, it's to me it's ridiculous maybe i'm just not passionate enough about stuff but uh he was talking about a former friend and uh they have this youtube channel on uh well, you, YouTube, <laughs> that kind of talks about tattoos, people's and celebrities' tattoos and the meaning behind them. Well, Dave Batista was talking about one of his tattoos and how it was actually a cover-up because he was removing a symbol that represented one of his friends, who is now a former friend, um, because he was homophobic. <laughs> and... I don't know how they are behind closed doors, and I don't think we can ever have the final say about what people do behind closed doors, because that's exactly where it's at. People are going to present themselves a certain way in public, and a lot of us will know, you know, certain stories about some people and how they are behind the scenes, but as far as celebrities and stuff go, we're only going to get 
what's at the forefront of things. And he's the former friend was obviously talking about Manny Pacquiao, who is a, a very devout Christian who does not support the gay community. And I'm pretty sure he's come out and said this is why he doesn't and brought up scriptures in the Bible and stuff like that and says, I will never go to a gay, mar- uh, gay wedding and will never, you know, do all this. But he's also done the opposite side of things where he's not going to condemn people and treat them like crap because of their uh you know their belief system and everything like that and he's been very vocal about both of those things and from our view in the uh the public even though he doesn't actively go out of his way to support them he doesn't actually like you know call for their public hanging or anything like that either and Nowadays, that that particular movement, especially, I have a couple friends on Facebook who are kind of like that as well, where if you don't support it, then obviously you're against us, and obviously you're the enemy. And it's like, uh, yes, <laughs> to an extent, our beliefs do clash, and our beliefs do kind of point at each other to a degree and be like, hey, what you're doing is wrong. But... Like, I don't know. As human beings, we have to learn how to coexist to a certain extent. And the moment you find out somebody has a different belief system, I don't think you should demonize them. Kind of like how Batista was kind of... I th- I respect him that he didn't bring up this person's name in the interview. But I also don't know if he didn't bring it up because he didn't want to, like, slander him. Or if he just was, like, so disgusted with him that he couldn't bear saying his name. Like, oh, he's a former friend. He's in the past, so let's leave him in the past. And I I don't know, to me, at least in my point of view, if that's all it took for them not to be friends was, hey, do you support this? No. Well, bye. Then you really weren't friends in the first place. Because, like, I don't know. True, like, you're supposed to, at, at least in the Christian faith, you're supposed to love people around you. You're supposed to love and pray for your enemies. And if you can't even love a friend in spite of what they believe, then were you even friends in the first place? Like, we're talking about loving people that you're not going to invest your time into. This is somebody you were claiming you invested your time into, and that's all it took? Like, and, and again, it's it's a hard situation because you never know what, like, somebody, one, who doesn't have that same belief system that believes that's wrong, and then two, might have a family member that, like, is a part of that community. I can kind of understand why they would be upset with that, but I just don't believe that they were ever friends in the first place. If that's all it took, like, I don't, I don't know, but, uh, there was a comment in the, in the section and there were all sorts of arguments going on based on this post. I feel like it's just natural progression at this point for people to see something like this and it's the lamp on the porch and all the moths just swarm it and just devour that light because they're ready to throw down and wreck you. But one comment in particular said, Manny Pacquiao has done more for the gay community of his home country than Batista, who claims to support them. Uh, this is in reference to the homeless work that Manny Pacquiao does. And all of the programs and all the behind-the-scenes work, he runs a tons of charities in his own country, many of which benefit all sorts of communities that he personally doesn't support. But because he believes in that Christian faith where you're supposed to pray for your enemies, where you're supposed to love those around you, where you're supposed to love people who you believe to be sinners because we ourselves are sinners... We just know that God forgives of our, of our sin and everything like that. Uh, he still goes out of his way to try and help everyone. 
And that was kind of his reference to it is like, is it really that bad of a thing to disagree with someone, but still go out of your way to love and help them? And, that, and that's kind of my view on it as well. I was like, I think he put it personally. Well, there was somebody in the comments who was like, who, who specifically has he helped? And it's like, what do you want me to, <laughs> do you want me to list particular names? Cause I don't know, but these charities do help people. Are you so oblivious that you like, I don't know. It's just, I disagree with this person so much that I'll just ignore all the good that they're doing in the world. It's, it's silly to me. And that's, that's the kind of arguing that I'm kind of against because that's, that's on a pub, more public blown up scale. But we have a ton of that on the more private scale between my friends on Facebook, between the communities I'm a part of on Facebook. No one can ever just have a conversation anymore. There's always got to be at least one person that immediately jumps onto the post, slides in with their guns ablazing, ready to defend their position. Um, uh, another person in the background brought up, why, do, why don't churches marry gay people then if they don't care about the background? Um, well... I'll answer that one. Just because someone is addicted to drugs and wants drugs doesn't mean you should supply them with drugs. Since we're on the argument train, let's go ahead and argue about it. <laughs> but like in Christian faith, we believe that gay marriage and partaking in those activities is a sin. And therefore, you know, sin is a bad thing in our book. So why would we want to support that bad thing? It's not even about supporting them and who they want to be. It's about caring about them and making sure their basic needs are met. And I know that that's, that's where the argument comes in is like, well, who you marry and who you are is a basic need, but I disagree. <laughs> um, See, that's what I'm saying. It's it's hard to step around topics like this. And as somebody who likes doing this podcast, so there are some times where I have to do this little stupid tiptoe thing. Because I know if you say one thing wrong, or you say one thing out of line, or you misquote something, or you misspeak one word, then someone's going to come and try and cut your head off. <laughs> and that, that's just kind of what I'm tired of. And I don't know. I'm not well known enough, so I feel like I'm going to start getting to a point where I'm more bluntly saying what I'm saying. But I'll try and stay away from topics that are controversial. We have episodes that are kind of dedicated to that, which if you're interested, I have at least two or three controversial opinions podcast episodes, which you should definitely go talk out. But I don't know. Hopefully this makes it aware. But like I said, I no, I'm I definitely understand the appeal of argument. There was on a less controversial scale, I kind of went off topic not off topic but i kind of went off on this like side project here to explain the kind of topics that i don't like to argue about the kind of stuff i like to argue about are like sports like why manny ramirez is a better boston red Sox than david ortiz i don't know if i believe that but that's just a kind of example of a topic i like arguing or debating things like i liked it so much there was this random website back in the day on a sports site that's called root zoo and at the time, it was undisputed. LeBron James, at that time, was the greatest player in the league. Uh, whereas there's not, there's more of a debate against that today, especially since, like, I don't even think he's in the top ten personally. Um, there is a debate, uh, you know, against that. Whereas back in the day, this was kind of an undisputed thing. And I was like, okay, I'll take the argument. And I almost convinced a bunch of people that at the time, Orlando Magic's Dwight Howard was better than LeBron James because I enjoyed doing it so much and I kind of made more concise and straightforward arguments rather than, oh, LeBron James the best because he's the best and he do this. Oh, well, 
the stat wise, let's break it down for you. <laughs> and I enjoyed doing that. And I enjoyed doing that kind of stuff so much that there was a wrestling website. As you know, I'm a huge fan of professional wrestling, which here's a side note. Why is Olympic gold medalist wrestling considered amateur wrestling, but fake, or I don't even want to call it fake because I've seen too many injuries to call it fake, but like predetermined wrestling called pro wrestling. I don't know. I'll let you figure that one out. But jumping back on the bandwagon, there was a website called WWE Universe Mode, and it was the WWE's forum page where you could go in there and talk about various topics and just what was going on in the wrestling universe. Well, I was so up this one particular portion of the forum that was about arguments that I would argue and debate with people, and then people can kind of upvote your comment if they think you won the argument. And I would legitimately wait a day if I got more upvotes than the other person, I would add it to my record, which was in my little signature at my bottom. I kept track of how many arguments I won because I enjoyed it so much. It's the nerdiest crap you'll hear all day, but that's what I did. So I definitely understand the appeal of the argument. I just, in regular everyday life, I don't know if I necessarily, um, you know, agree with living your life of going up and finding people to argue with just so you can feel satisfied because ultimately if we're all honest with ourselves, that kind of goes against the core root of most of our belief systems if we're gonna go around and form it around love and respect and stuff like that i don't think necessarily having different beliefs from somebody is disrespecting them so that's just kind of my view on it and everything i think we all just kind of need to chill out a little bit especially when it leads to situations that happen like the following uh, so I was, whenever I was at my previous job, there was a situation where I was having a conversation with a couple of guys and we were all kind of partaking in it, but it was between me and another gentleman in particular. And it was about the whole Joe Rogan and his, uh, getting attacked for, uh, you know, the whole COVID stance where he was going through, uh, different, not horse tranquilizers, but like kind of a horse dewormer or something like that to uh, help him work through the COVID situation. And uh, we were talking about it, and both of us were like, oh, well, we don't think he did anything wrong. I mean, he's healthy at the end of the day, and is it the best that he's kind of, like, giving this information out and, you know, directing people in a certain direction without having a medical license? No. But it seems like a lot of doctors are kind of confused on this issue, too. And that was kind of the, the premise of the conversation. Well, someone completely unrelated to the conversation just heard Joe Rogan and COVID and then immediately jumps in the conversation, not knowing the full context of what we're talking about, jumps in and goes, oh, that dude's an idiot. He shouldn't be giving his opinions out to anyone. And then proceeds to look up information. And the exact line that he Googled was Joe Rogan's stupid opinions on COVID. Now, what kind of articles do you think are going to pop up? That's 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 why a lot of these arguments go the way they do is because they don't look for the actual information to argue with. They look for something that appeals completely to their side of things. And so that's why a lot of these arguments are stupid in the first place because that mindset that most people go into these arguments with uh, that they themselves pick is I'm ready to destroy someone. Not I'm ready to have a conversation or I'm ready to change someone's mind today. I'm just ready to prove someone wrong so they feel bad. And uh, I don't know, that was just kind of a wake-up call. Like I, don't, it, it, I, I already kind of knew that stuff like that already happened, but it was very abrupt in reminding me that people aren't 
arguing to change each other's minds anymore or arguing the facts of things. They're arguing and looking for sources based on their opinions and based on what they believe. Because if you throw the word st stupid in your search, you're instantly dooming it to like give you a little bit more biased information more than anything. And it shows the kind of like mindset that you're going into that research in in the first place. You're like, all right, what kind of research can I do to put down Joe Rogan today? And it's like, that's not productive at all. You One, you're going to get that biased point of view. Two, you're, you're missing half the situation right there. And then three, it's already spreading hate before you even join in the discussion. And then you could very clearly, when he rejoined the discussion, after reading this article that he pulled up, um, it, it wasn't very helpful and it didn't really go anywhere. So, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just feel like we all need to chill out. It's It also is in the same vein of um, just because you... Um, believe something different than somebody doesn't mean this person isn't, you know, doesn't require respect. You should always look to give respect and um, care to the people around you. You should never just go in guns a blazing or anything like that. And the same thing applies to when you first wake up in the morning. I am definitely not a morning person, but for a while there, it seemed like everybody that you said good morning to would use the excuse of I'm not a morning person to just kind of like scowl at you or like, treat you like crap or <laughs> at my last job there were a couple of guys and i get it i understand nobody wants to whenever i'm fully awake i have this kind of full-blown personality like how i talk on the, on the podcast at times is a very energetic and upbeat and it's hard to keep up with at times um and doing that first thing in the morning just isn't the funnest thing to do but saying good morning not a hard thing to do. And I don't know. Just because you're tired, just because you're at a certain point in life, just because you're upset, just because of all these things, that is not an excuse to treat other people a certain way. Because most of the time, it's not even their fault. So, I don't know. Not, I, I guess my point is the belief system, uh, the difference of opinions... Your current condition of life, the current stage that you're in, that should not be a, defi a defining factor of the person that you choose to be. And so, uh, are you going to choose to be a person that crumbles the people around you? Or are you going to be that person that like encourages growth? Do you truly believe in the opinions that you're you know pushing forward? Because if you do, those should be communicated in a calm and direct uh, demeanor rather than a <laughs> well you, you disagree with me so yeah this this oh we, what we got over here is a homophobe oh what we got over here is just one of these you know these gays I I'm doing both sides of the fence right now if that wasn't clear but uh, you're not going to change anybody's mind by beating them down with hate and so the person we should all choose to be is a good and loving one and I understand there are times when you got to step up and defend your beliefs but Every small minor disagreement is not that opportunity. You got to pick your battles and be smart about it. That's where wisdom comes in at, at least from our Christian perspective. So um, that's just a huge chunk of the notes here on my phone topics of doom list. And I had to get it out of there. The way you present yourself at all times does matter. And in a moment of anger, that should not change the person you choose to be. Um, whether you're, in person, whether you're on social media, uh, you should not, 
<laughs> I, I, that's that's where we're going. To. You shouldn't choose to use your entire social media platform just to complain. Because I can be honest with you, at least from my perspective, if all you're doing on Facebook and all you're doing on Twitter is complaining, I probably might have a dislike for you. Because it's like, what is the point of that? And then half the time it's just you complaining about stuff that you don't want people to, you know, talk about in the first place. And so then when they come in and comment on it, you then turn to be that person that's like, hey, who asked for your opinion? It's like, well, you posted it in a public place. And they're like, oh, and so I don't know. Let's change our mindsets. Let's be positive and let's care about each other, man. <laughs> that's that's the message of the Zanman podcast care about each other how dare you say that zan man how dare we can't care about each other especially when we see the world in different ways that's impossible i don't know i'm doing it right now i love you cutie how you doing <laughs> anyway that's enough of that topic we already ran that into the ground real quick let's move forward shall we now, although there are times when arguing is annoying, and that's about 95% of the time, there are times when debates come up that actually create some very interesting conversation. And even though I'm kind of like weirded out by the fact that people were offended by this and needed felt the need to start a conversation over this, there was a post in this Christian group that I'm a part of where they kind of like talk about standards and stuff like that. And it was meant to be funny. I personally laughed at it, but... There was a good percentage of people in the group who seemed to take offense to it, you know, take offense to it, get a little angry at it. And some of them even felt the need to disprove it in general, even though it was clearly a joke. But from the conversations I saw below, I decided to talk about it a little bit because it was interesting. So uh, first I'll read the joke. There was a guy on Twitter who is a, from my understanding, is a stand-up comedian or he's one of those political comedians. That like has a podcast or something like that. I don't know. His name is Andrew Nadeau. N-A-D-E-A-U. So if you want to look him up, feel free to do that. But he posted a tweet that said, Imagine you were a vampire nowhere near the Middle East. You don't know who Jesus is, but the day after he dies, you got to figure out why lowercase t's start hurting you. Obviously, there's a lot wrong with that, but it's funny. It's satire, which should not be taken seriously. It should be like, ha-ha, or man, that wasn't funny. I'm going to keep scrolling. But the thing is, when people don't find something funny, they feel the need to post their opinion about it. <laughs> and that's where it all goes wrong. But in this case, it, it created an interesting conversation. So here, we'll read a couple of, them, of the comments. The lowercase Latin letter T did not exist for another three centuries until after Jesus' death. Nice try, though. Oh, you got him. You got him. Good for you. But, like, just laugh or don't laugh. You being ignorant of God's existence doesn't make you immune to his will. Just saying. My comment to that would be, you being ignorant of the concept of humor or comedy doesn't mean that the joke isn't funny still. <laughs> I didn't even comment that to him because there was no point to make the argument. But it's like, come on, man. It's clearly a joke. <laughs> It is very clearly a joke. At no point are they like thinking, man, this is the theology, or man, this is real, or man, vampires are real, maybe they're not. He was just thinking, hey, this is pretty funny, let me comment on it. And everybody's like, gotta get angry. And then somebody said, imagine the god of the universe designing the most complex machine on earth, giving it to you to think of how amazing his creation is, and how you can be a part of it. 
but instead you used your mind to create this tweet. Shake my head. Man, you're a twit. <laughs> Alex, remember what you said earlier, you hypocrite. No, I'm going in now. This is game over. You went too far, sir. Too far. And then it started, this is where it started to get interesting. After you scrolled through all the like unnecessary hateful comments, an actual conversation was taking place. And somebody said, for anyone who has heard of Judas being the first vampire, which is something I personally had never heard of, this myth stems from the movie Dracula 2000. It was released on December 22nd, 2000 with Gerard Butler as Dracula slash Judas Iscariot. So in that movie, Judas or Dracula, it was actually Judas Iscariot, the man who betrayed Jesus. From the Wiki, Wikipedia synopsis of the film, it quotes as such. On, top, on a rooftop, Dracula transforms Mary and reveals his true identity. The apostle Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus for a bribe of 30 pieces of silver. After Jesus was crucified, Jesus tried to hang himself in shame, but the rope snapped. And God cursed him to live forever as a vampire. Mary finally understands why the legendary vampire is vulnerable to silver and hates Christian iconography. Because it all reminds him of how he messed up. It all reminds him of how he betrayed Jesus. I had never heard that. This clarifies it a little bit better. The most common origin I've heard is that the first vampire is Judas, who was cursed to never die because of his betrayal. Silver and the cross harm him as he betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver. The cross, as Christ died on it, was resurrected and sunlight because God's natural light that he created. He's very clearly joking. The posters even noted that vampires aren't real. Someone took it seriously, though. The problem with this theory is that Judas died. Well, we'll get into that. Also, silver is for werewolves. The origin was a man hunted a wolf-like creature in France, and he made bullets for a melted-down statue of Mary. It's very possible he doesn't sound like this and is actually contributing to the conversation. I should clarify that. <laughs> I mean, it's so much better to read it this way, though. Bullets melted down from the statue of Mary that his bullets would be blessed. The blessed part just got turned into the bullets worked because of the silver. They were replied to with the following. In some vampire lore, Judas became the first vampire after he killed himself. That's where the cursed to never die comes in, as Judas was technically undead, which is what vampires are classified as. So he was raised from the dead, and they were like, oh no, you ain't getting out of this that easy. So that's what the theory is. Though living, they are said to be cursed to live. Silver and crosses hurting vampires is due to some sort of curse inherited guilt over judas's portrayer another commenter threw in an interesting comment as well i thought kane was supposed to be the first vampire obviously that's a little bit different because um the kane they're referring to isn't the big red machine from the wwe it is the brothers of adam and eve um they both brought a sacrifice before god uh abel brought one of his lambs and kane brought his vegetables of the earth and uh he took Abel's because it was, you know, a more pure sacrifice, an actual sacrifice, whereas um, Cain took offense to that and then proceeded to murder his brother. And because of that, he was cursed to wander the earth and anyone who came and killed him would be avenged sevenfold, which is actually where the band Avenged Sevenfold gets its name. Fun fact. Uh, but because of all of that, 
a lot of people claim he's a vampire. He was undead. And some claim he's still walking the world to this day because we never hear anything else about him in the Bible. But uh, I don't know. Just some interesting things to think about. Obviously, I don't believe them, but I think they are interesting nonetheless. So uh, I digress. Though That was a very interesting conversation, and hopefully it brings you some thinking patterns. Maybe message the page on Facebook. Maybe tweet at us at, at ZanBrand on Twitter. And tell us what some of your theories about these things might be. I might have to do a uh, conspiracy theories about the Bible characters and stuff like that. Or weird origins of stuff from the Bibles. Because that was very interesting to read. Like I said, it started off as me getting like annoyed. Because all the people were just correcting it. But then by the end of it, I was like... I'm actually kind of glad this happened. <laughs> so maybe arguments can be useful. I take it all back. This podcast episode is useless. Be terrible, people. Argue with each other. Give me podcast content. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do, you know, terrible GameStop reviews. I wouldn't be able to criticize those people. I wouldn't be able to do these conspiracy theories and make people laugh. I wouldn't be able to do any of these things. Be terrible, people. Chaos. Anarchy. All that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, but I do think we need to kind of chill out a little bit. Apparently all of these topics that I have on my phone topics of doom are just like negative. Um, but, uh, we talked to a couple of, I guess they were, it was last year now. It was some time ago, the Justin Roiland situation, the voice actor for Rick and Morty from the show, Rick and Morty, uh, had a little bit of trouble. It was shown that he was dming underage girls and uh in all sorts of trouble from lawsuits and people who claim that he was doing sexual misconduct domestic charges and all sorts of uh you know a whole laundry list of items that he was being accused of and when you're accused of that many things you expect at least one of them to come forward and be proven uh, proven true but in recent events rick and here i'll read the article Rick and Morty creator Justin Roiland has been cleared of all domestic violence charges. Kimberly Eds, spokesman of the Orange County District Attorney's Office, said in a statement, We dismissed the charges today of having insufficient evidence to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. So that's the part that a lot of people are hanging on. They're like, oh, so they just couldn't prove it, but he still did it. Roiland... Royland took on social media to respond to the drop charges, writing in a statement, I'm thankful for the case being dismissed. I'm still deeply shaken by the horrible lies that were reported about me during this process. Royland appeared in court in January for pre-trial hearing after what he was charged with one felony count of domestic battery um, and also by menace, violence, fraud, deceit, all sorts of other things. Um... I have always known that these claims are false, and I have never had any doubt that this day would come, Royland said in his statement. I'm thankful that this case has been dismissed, but at the same time, I'm still deeply shaken by horrible lies that were all reported about me during this process. Most of all, I'm disappointed that so many people were so quick to judge without knowing the facts, based solely on the word of an embittered ex trying to bypass due process and have me quote-unquote canceled. Royland added that may that it may have succeeded even just a small bit is shameful however now the legal case has ended I'm determined to move forward and focus on creating projects and restoring my good name Royland's attorney T Edward Wellborn added I commend 
the Orange County District's office for conducting a thorough review of the facts and deciding to dismiss the case against Justin. I'm thankful Justin justice has prevailed. Uh, Adult Swim severed ties with Royland at the end of January because of these charges. The network said in a brief statement, Adult Swim has ended its association with Justin Royland. Um, Royland also resigned from Squanch Games, the video game developer brand that he co-founded in 2016. Uh, it just goes on to all the bad things that kind of, uh, you know, on the back end of it, how he got, he lost his jobs, he lost his company, he had to resign from a bunch of different positions, and that's unfortunate, especially since it all got disproven. But the whole, they just didn't have evidence because they were unable to prove it is kind of a, an interesting area because I can't speak on it because our justice system has failed quite a bit. Every day you're hearing news stories about people who are false accused or falsely charged getting years in prison only to be released like 30 years later. So we do have a faulty justice system, uh, but at the same time, there are times when it works. Is it for me to decide whether this is one of those? No, but I do know that we live in a day and age in cancer culture. And as much as people can do terrible, terrible things, um, I do believe people are in need of a second chance. And in this particular case, since I don't have any additional information or I don't have any of the evidence and I don't have any of the following or any of the actual things, I'm going to be like, yay, good. This time it actually worked out because the piece of evidence that everybody seems to be hanging on is there is a recording of a girl scrolling through her DMs and she's like 16 or 17 and apparently he sent her a bunch of perverse DMs. My only problem with that and is is in this day and age, it's very, very easy to fake a DM. And a lot of people could be like, it's easy to fake that many DMs. And at this point, technological technology is so advanced that there are people who are making fake selection screens for Super Smash Brothers, which takes a ton of editing to have to... If you don't know what uh, Super Smash Brothers uh, selection screen is like, there's a little hand that you got to get in there. There's a little button that you have to pick up and you pull it to different cards. Um, and they put in like Rayman or somebody like that that was never confirmed for the game. And somebody was able to digitally alter an entire selection screen to make it look like he was selecting this character and choosing him for a video game, even though he was never put in the game to begin with. And if somebody can do that, then you can easily fake a screenshot being scrolled through. And that's the thing is, I, I don't know what people do, but there are a lot of people that have vendettas. There are a lot of people that find their fame through canceling people um, to where you can never be too sure. You cannot just trust everyone. And that's unfortunately where we got to put it in the hands of the justice system. And in this particular time, they ruled in favor of Justin Roiland. But I don't think we should immediately jump on and demonize him. I don't know. That's just that's just my uh, two cents on it. Maybe I'm biased because I think the dude does some good work. But uh, I digress. I don't think he personally did it. So that's my stance on it. And that's an update to that situation that we were a little bit uh, uncertain on a few months back. And uh, I, even though I don't think he's going to get everything that he lost back, hopefully he can start you know, going in the right direction now. And that's cool to think about. So... Yes. Going back into the social media presence, though. Because <laughs> apparently this, this phone topic to Doom is just complaining, man. I hate whenever somebody on Facebook posts something like, Dude, sweet. 
finally beat the secret boss on Mario 3 today. Or, dude, yes, I finally beat this character on Legendary Difficulty. And rather than saying, hey, man, good job. Or, hey, dude, nice. Or, yeah, no, I was so... That was such a hard part, man, thankfully. The, the comment you always see is, oh, I beat that the day, day it came out. Super easy. Or, dude, you're late on that. Took me my first try or something like that. It's like, you don't have to brag about your accomplishments. Sometimes you can just say good job and not be a complete butthole. <laughs> but no, anytime somebody posts something good, it feels like the comparison game goes up. It's like, oh, well, you did something good? Well, sh check out how good I am. It's like, no, just give the dude his flowers. <laughs> it happens on like every video game page that I'm on on Facebook. Somebody will be like, yeah, no, finally did it. Instead of everybody being like, nice, good job. Everybody's like, oh, man, I did that first day. You should feel bad. <laughs> like, it's like, what's your, what's your end goal here? What is the purpose of telling him how, how quickly you did it? Is he going to make you feel better? Is he going to make you feel good? You're essentially just, like, pushing someone's head into the water. That's, that's what you're doing. Stop being a jerk. Let's go back to the frame one. Let's go back to it. Be good people. This is the sponsor of the Zayn Man podcast. Being good people is our sponsor. Yeah, wrap your head around that one, jerks. Anyway, we'll go into our last complaining topic because <laughs> apparently every topic that I personally wrote on this list is just negative, dude. Holy crap, I'm a negative person. I need to change. I can't let these negative situations determine the person that I'm going to be. Don't be crappy people. Even you, Zan, man. Even you. I know you're listening to this. You gotta edit at some point, you coward. Anyway, there was a post on my memories, and it came from the Zanman Podcast Facebook page, which you should totally go and find and like and subscribe and all that. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, all right, what are you doing? Look at me. I'm the king of complaining. I've been complaining for like 40 minutes straight. But you're still here. So hit that subscribe button. Maybe leave us a review. Tell me how buttery my voice sounds. That always rustles my jimmies but there was a memory that popped up for it and the question was if you walked out on your front porch to get the mail in the morning and you saw a box was there what would be the absolute worst thing to find in the box and it didn't disappoint nikki shout out to you her response was a head that was what i was hoping for because my first my mind immediately went to the one what's in a what's in the box from uh seven and then the other thought that came through my head was, uh, not Bill and Ted, but it's um, Wayne's World. And she's like, I have a gift for you. And he was like, if it's a severed head, I'll be very upset. So both of those things influenced that question. Shout out to those things. And there was all sorts of different answers. A lot of them were people trying to be funny that weren't really that funny. And a lot of them were, you know, obvious things that, oh, yeah, I would be pretty upset if somebody left that on my porch. A lot of them were like extra bills and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, yes. Um, but one that kind of caught my attention after going through all those again was, and I quote, a crusty pair of old underwear with the name Trump written on the elastic. So the implication is that it's, you know, Trump's, Donald Trump's poop stained underwear is what they would least likely want to find. And like, my question to that person would be, wouldn't just a crusty pair of underwear in general be nasty? Would it honestly make it any worse if it was Donald Trump's underwear in there? Like, that's kind of a goofy thing to say. That goes back to the whole thing is like, 
he he does. I disagreed with his systems, and he's not a very nice person. Therefore, he's the worst person in the world. That I wouldn't want his underwear on my porch. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't want most people's underwear on my porch. Like, honestly, would it be even more appealing if it was Joe Biden's or a Democratic or more nice person's underwear on your porch? Your porch. But let's zoom in on Joe Biden. What about Joe Biden's crusty underwear? Because you agree with his politics more, you're fine with his crusty underwear. That's kind of goofy. On the same point, since Joe Biden is kind of a senile old man and like feels like he could go at any second, he probably has more old man symptoms, you know, symptoms. I feel like he's going to be the one that's unable to control his bowels, which would result in significantly more disgusting and crustier underwear. Like, to me, that's just kind of a, a dumb comment, personally. It's like, because I don't like Donald Trump, something to do with Donald Trump would be the worst man grow up <laughs> but i think that's the last topic we're actually going to uh talk about from my personal list the rest was what i mentioned at the beginning of the podcast whenever you're scrolling through facebook you see articles that you're like i'll come back to that and i had a ridiculous amount of those well there's a bunch of stuff that i decided i would share here on the podcast as i'm deleting it in one of the articles in particular was people telling stories I don't know if it was on Reddit or whatnot, but they shared it in the article. And it was people telling the scariest or creepiest things that their kids had said. And uh, I'm going to read them. And I feel like this first one tried way too hard. It, it doesn't even seem like it would be a real story. And it's like, I don't know about that. But here, I'll just, I'll read it. And maybe it's how my mind reads it, but let's go. My daughter was four years old. One morning I heard her door open and shut. That usually meant that she would be coming into our room to lay down with us. She never came in. But shortly after I heard her voice, hoping she would go back to sleep, I let her be for a bit. Then I heard the door open and shut again. This time I decided to go into her room and see why she kept getting out of bed. I walked in and she had her eyes closed. Sweetie. Yes, Daddy. Why did you get out of bed? I didn't. I was trying to sleep, but he wouldn't leave me alone. He kept talking to me and asking me questions. He? Who is he? The little boy that was in my room. Um, sweetie, that was just a dream. There is no boy in your room. I know that. He just left. Okay, well, what was the little boy doing? He was hanging from the fan and asking me a bunch of questions. How was he hanging from the fan? With his arms? No. With a rope! Oh! <laughs> it's like, it's very concise. I don't, I, I might have been paraphrased, but I don't know if you're going to get that exact conversation out of a four-year-old. You might, though. I've seen some pretty well-spoken four-year-olds, but I don't know. It just, it feels like it's trying too hard. I don't believe that one. I'm not buying it, but watch out. <laughs> just <laughs> hanging from the ceiling is that what I would ask. That... Oh, he's just hanging on with his arms. <laughs> it's like when they say something like that, you know where they're going with it. I know you don't want to be shocked from a four-year-old, but if that kid, if that kid's claiming to talk to a little dead boy, you know where this is going. Come on, come on. Here we go. I was tucking in my two-year-old, and he said, "Goodbye, Dad." I said, "No, we say good night." And I, he said, "I know." But this time, it's goodbye. <laughs> it was probably like 
knowing a little kid, I know how I read it made it seem more sinister. But that's that's a bit more spookier. I wouldn't like to hear that from my daughter when she's able to talk. But it's it's probably like a, I know, but this time it's goodbye. Probably just reassuring like that. So it probably wouldn't be as scary, but that is a creepy thing to hear from your kid. My kid was in the bathtub one night with the bathroom door open, and I was puttering around in the next room. She called out and said, Hey, Mommy, who was that blue guy that just walked down the hall? He was tall, thin, and featureless. That's what the kid said. The kid had that run-on sentence that said, Hey, Mommy, who was that blue guy that just walked down the hall? He was tall, thin, and featureless. Your kid said featureless? Your kid said featureless? I'm not buying it. It was like, even if they knew that word, I don't think they would use it. I'd be like, why didn't that guy have a face, mommy? <laughs> but he was like, yeah, he was tall, he was thin, and he didn't have any features, mommy. He was featureless. Stop trying too hard. Kid didn't say that crap. <laughs> you know what? You're a freaking liar. I'm calling you a liar. This one's a bit more believable, though. My kid was in the bathtub one night. Oh, I just read that one. I guess that one is a little bit more believable. But, like, the featureless, I'm not buying it. I think I put that above the wrong thing. Let's try this one. When my brother was three, he fell into my cousin's pool. The pool didn't have a ladder, and it was several inches to reach to get out. There was no way the three-year-old that didn't know how to swim to escape. So he couldn't swim, he fell in the pool, and he couldn't escape. All the adults were talking, and they heard him screaming and splashing. Then, silence. When they ran outside, he was standing there right next to the pool, soaking wet. When they asked him what happened, he said, I fell in the pool and couldn't get out. Then, a shiny man pulled me out. See, that one could have been made up too, and I know there were probably people listening to this that were like, that's the least believable one yet. But to me, that's that's like a freaking angel, man. That's cool. Like, I got chills the first time I read that one. I was like, out of a lot of these ones, that's not even creepy. That's not scary. That's, like, awesome. Um... As somebody who believes in angels, that's probably the most believable one I'll say here. But that's really cool. I liked it. My three-year-old daughter stood next to her newborn brother and looked at him for a while. Then she turned to me and said, Daddy, it's a monster. We should bury it. <laughs> Which I could totally, like, honestly, there are a lot of obscure things that I could totally see a little kid saying that. Honestly. Honestly. Then we got two more. Let's read this one. My five-year-old son asked me last week, what do you see through the black circles in my eyes when you're controlling me while I'm at school? That one was a little too complicated. I don't buy it. And then finally, I'm watching you make my sandwich so that when you die, I will know how to do it. What? I don't like it. Shut up. <laughs> Here, well, I think those two were supposed to go together. My five-year-old son asked me last week, what do you see through the black circles in my eyes when you're controlling me while I'm at school? I'm watching you make my sandwich so that when you die, I will know how to do it. I, something's li I, I think I copy and pasted something wrong there. What a, what a terrible way to end this, man. I was so, so invested. I thought I saved the best for last, but the best was the angel one. There ain't no beating that. Anywho. We'll move completely to the opposite end of the spectrum. And anybody who listens to this podcast knows I am a diehard Batman fan. He is my homeboy. He's my superhero. DC Comics all the way. I love Batman. And it's almost kind of universally known 
even though I do enjoy these movies for what they are, it's kind of universally known that George Clooney is kind of like received as the worst Batman. But there is a Reddit post out there apparently that declared that he is one of the best, if not the best Batman out there. And he was just subject to a terrible movie. And here are some of the arguments they kind of made. So let's, uh, let's dive in and see what these juicy comments tell us. So, yeah. The first comment in question says, Clooney had the perfect look and the voice to play both Batman and Bruce Wayne. I kind of I get that. And he also had the acting chops to bring a real darkness to the character as well as, you know, play Bruce Wayne as an ineffectual playboy billionaire. If he'd had a different director and a better script, we would be talking very differently about George Clooney as the Batman today. Um, somebody claimed that he has one of the most pure Batman movies, or moments, quotes, whatever you want to call it, uh, when he's talking to Mr. Freeze. Vengeance isn't power. Anyone can take a life. But to give life, that's a true power. A power that you once had. That's totally a Batman line. Dude, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I don't. It's not. I don't think it's memorable because how, of how he delivered it. But I could, I could be wrong. I might have to go back and rewatch that. Let me. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Let's press play here. I pulled it up on my phone. Let's see how he does it. <laughs> it's the first thing we hear. But she's not dead. We found her. Restored her. She's still frozen, alive. Waiting for you to find a cure. She lives. Yes, she lives. But vengeance isn't power. Anyone can take a life. But to give life, that's true power. A power you once had. She's alive. Yeah, I can kind of see where they're coming from. It's an awesome quote. Um... I'm kind of iffy on it. I do think that's probably a more realistic Batman quote. Um, like as far as his delivery goes and everything. But just I'm so, you know, used to a certain way that Batman has been. Be like, <laughs> just immediately revert back to Bat or, uh, Christian Bale. Vengeance is a power. And then you have the new Batman who's just like, vengeance. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty good, though. I, I, I like that moment. I like that quote more than the actual delivery, but still. The casting in of itself, Clooney couldn't have uh, could have been fantastic in the role if given better writing. Clooney feels like a no-brainer as Batman judging by his other film roles. Um, and his overall attitude and reputation as an actor is very Bruce Wayne-esque. It's a shame that his full potential couldn't have been fulfilled in this movie. That's true. I kind of agree with that. Like I said, I do think the movie itself was just kind of a goofy writing. It was more of a wacky, almost Adam, Adam West-esque style as opposed to being the dark Batman that this trilogy was supposed to be because this is uh, supposed to be a sequel of Batman forever and Batman forever was a sequel to Batman um, returns and Batman returns was the original or Batman returns was a sequel to the original. So it was supposed to be a dark, um, you know, anthology and they kind of just were like, nah, let's make it Adam West's Batman almost seeing as he was the first live action Batman I ever saw. I have a soft spot for the movie itself and actually enjoy it for what it is. I do too. 
With that said, I do honestly like him as Bruce Wayne. I think he does a pretty good job, and the fact that the beginning of the Bat Family is introduced and him taking on the role of a father figure is pretty neat as well. That's kind of a weak argument. (laughs) Being the first doesn't necessarily make him the best, just because it's like, oh, it's the start of the Bat Family. Well, what does that have to do with George Clooney? Just because you have a saw spot? Like, that doesn't mean he's a great Batman. That just means that the writers themselves were bold enough to introduce the bat family so that's kind of a goofy argument and a thing where it's like hey is george clooney a good bat bat family yeah they introduced the bat family in his movie man shut up (laughs) he actually has a bat family he was a good man clooney actually looks pretty good for bruce wayne he didn't kill freeze and wanted him to redeem himself also not a bad costume if you just remove the nipples yeah i guess He was a great Bruce Wayne. Amazing and honestly. I like the combo of dark and comic book campy. That's the thing though. Is I'll watch any Batman movie and enjoy it. I'm the same way. Every Batman movie can be nitpicked over something. But I just don't do that. Other people do and that's their call. But I watch what I want. And I don't get into it with the attitude of finding things wrong with it. Yeah I'm the same way. You find that especially in the video game industry. If video games aren't built like every other video game. Which... Wouldn't you want a video game that's unique from other video? I'm just, yeah, I won't get into that. See, I see that's the argument me coming out. I'm like, Batman and video games. I can argue about that all day. It's someone's art. Jim Lee draws Batman differently than any other artist. And we get it. That's their art. But fans forget that point when it comes to movies. Just go into it without being judgmental. Sure, there are parts we don't like, but that's okay. You enjoy what you want and then move on to the next piece. Basically, I'm just tired of everyone picking stuff apart and complaining. Meanwhile, I'm over here just wanting to watch the movie. I agree with that. I I included that not because it really doesn't defend his performance at all, if we're being honest. But it's like, hey, everybody's going to enjoy something. And if you didn't enjoy it, great. Or just go, don't go into it, like, looking to hate stuff. And I think that's especially the case ever since, you know, especially a lot of people that go back and watch these movies um, have a certain stigma when it comes to superhero movies because of Marvel and how great they've done with building a universe. And so they go back and they're like, all right, if this doesn't live up to exactly that, then I'm going to hate it. And that's just how movies are in general nowadays, but... I agreed with that statement, and it kind of is like the theme of the uh, the episode so far is, hey, just don't be a judgmental piece of crap. <laughs> this point, I didn't know. I was actually very impressed to the point where I got an article to support it. Until Pattinson, Clooney's Batman was the only live-action Batman who didn't kill a single person. So I clicked on it, and we go to comic book reviewer to read off the article that kind of proves this statement. And the article is simply called, where is it at? Every live action Batman ranked by how many people they've killed. One, George Clooney's Batman didn't kill anybody except for the live action franchise. Disagree, but we'll, we'll go there. Robert Pattinson's Batman stayed true to the comics and refrained from any lethal force. So we go forward to five. Adam West's Batman accidentally killed one of Penguin's rehydrated pirate henchmen. For those who don't know, uh, one of the ploy was to dehydrate a bunch of people. And they, uh, here, I'll just, I'll read the article itself. Batman first appeared in the live action in the 40s. Though the campy nature of Batman's serials inspired 
Batman TV show in the 60s, which starred Adam West and Burt Ward as Batman and Robin, respectively. Um, the Penguin used an experimental dehydrator on five of his henchmen, which allowed him to secretly carry them uh, as he infiltrated the Batcave in disguise. He rehydrated them to fight the dynamic duo, though they soon discovered that the Bat nuclear reactor's heavy water caused instability. Batman and Robin each killed a single henchman on accident due to this reason. So, even Adam West can't be uh, claimed to be the caped crusader. Though, it's, it's, it's hard. I'll talk about that at the end, though. Four, Val Kilmer's Batman killed six henchmen and caused Two-Face to fall to his death. Three, Christian Bale killed over 12 members of the League of Shadows as well as Two-Face. Two, Michael Keaton's Batman killed at least 15 henchmen as well as the Joker and the Penguin. And finally, one of the main reasons why a lot of people didn't like Batman vs. Superman, Ben Affleck's Batman killed over 25 criminals with lethal, lethal weaponry and brutal tactics. So yeah, no, that, that's true. In the comics, Batman claims to not kill people, but he also, to get information out of a lot of the villains, beats the living daylights out of them to a pulp. Like, there's that famous meme that's like Gohan from Dragon Ball Z after he just got like absolutely beat down and he's knocked unconscious and then it's like batman be like now talk <laughs> he'll legitimately make sure that you have brain damage for the rest of your life but he doesn't kill you and so i think it's a little bit silly that everybody still to this day is like if batman kills people he's not batman because that you know takes away from the whole thing but there are variations even in the comics which people hide to hold to such high esteems where Batman pretty much kills people. He makes their lives like very hard to the point where they can no longer depend on their own personal thing. And yeah, you could be like, well, that's their choice, but Batman stopped them and he and they're living so they could be thankful. But it's probably a personal hell for them. So I don't know. I don't think Batman killing people necessarily means not bat, not my Batman, not mine. Anyway, let's continue the comments on defending George Clooney. He's a perfect follow-up to Adam West's take. If you look at the movie through the lens of continuing the spirit of the 60s show, which I don't do because it's a continuation of Michael Keaton's Batman, so you're stupid. That's awesome for me, but I understand why it wouldn't be for everyone. Yeah, no, it's definitely not for everyone, especially since it's continuing a series. Michael Keaton, for many people, is the best Batman of all time, and Val Kilmer and... Uh, George Clooney are continuing that story. They're all supposed to be the same Batman. And so, yeah, it's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. And I I, under, I enjoy it for what it is, like I've said, but I, it, it it's not supposed to be taken as the 60s Batman. It's not that. But I, I do agree with that, though. It's You can't look at it in the lens of comparing it to all the batmans that it it honestly is supposed that's a that's a tricky one because i like the movie but i don't like it i don't like the aspect that they pretty much changed the feel of the episode that's supposed to be a little bit darker but we'll we'll, we'll get on i'm pretty sure there's a point that kind of counteracts that a little bit so let's uh continue forward if you watch the movie in the same spirit as you watch the 1966 Batman, it's a lot of fun. There's room for many interpretations of the character. Nolan is just as valuable as Super Friends, which is just as valuable as Matt Reeves. Slash, slash, slash. Um, 
this is more of the argument uh, that I would kind of take as opposed to the one above. It talks about not necessarily looking at it as a predecessor of the 66 Batman, but understanding the mindset that the movie was made in. Plus, the movie itself was made to sell merchandise and toys, so it's garnered heavily towards kids, which is going to instantly take away from a lot of the darkness that Batman fans at this point had expected, and still do to this day. He seemed like a natural progression of the... This is the argument that I was like, okay, I see where you're going with this. And to me, I think this is the best argument. He seemed like the natural progression of Batman in all four of these original films. The 89 film had a closed-off, sad Bruce Wayne. In return, he sort of opens up to Catwoman, uh, someone else who lives like he does. And forever he's awkward and is dealing with his trauma, definitely trying harder to open up to the people around him. And then Robin changes everything, as Clooney's Batman is more expressive, funny, and well put to together. See, when you look about it like that, the progression itself and continuation actually makes a little bit more sense. Now, overall, I disagree. <laughs> but I think this is the best argument for why George Clooney's Batman not only is good, but makes sense. I'll read this next comment. I've often said that ever since Adam West, it's been very difficult for any singular actor to be both good Batman and Bruce Wayne. I still believe that. But Clooney's Wayne was the best live-action movie so far. I know with Bale's performance, that may be controversial, but I'll say it. My comment below this was simply, drunk. So. <laughs> but that wraps up the uh, the comments surrounding George Clooney's bathroom. Bathroom. <laughs> Man, he's got such a good bathroom. It's clean. You can eat off the, uh, eat off the toilet seat, even after somebody just fresh, freshly pooped. Uh, but still, um, we are going to move on to a different article. Like I said, my last thoughts on that is I've always kind of liked George Clooney's Batman in its own way. I think a lot of people already kind of made the comment. I do think he is probably the most perfect for a, an on-screen um, Bruce Wayne role. And I do agree. I think he, and as far as acting chops go, he should have easily nailed the role. And I think the... The writing prevented him from being the Batman we wanted him to be. But just because he's not the Batman we wanted to be doesn't mean he wasn't a good Batman. And aside from the bat nipples and all sorts of other things, I think he did a good job. Especially for the role that he was assigned in. And I, I there's plenty of interviews and stuff online where he's like, I'm sorry I wasn't a good Batman and stuff like that. But I enjoyed the movie. You don't have to be sorry if you... If for whatever reason you're listening to this podcast, George Clooney, and you weren't offended by my takes on controversial opinions and stuff, I loved you as Batman. Don't ever change cutie. But the next article we're going to move on to is characters who were wrongly portrayed as the good guy. And we go to another Batman property, but is not directly related to the Batman, you know, universes that have been established so far. It is the movie Joker. Joker personally worries me because I've encountered a lot of people, including kids, who walked away from that movie thinking that Joker was in the right and that society was actually to blame for his misfortunes. This misses the inherent point of not only this film, but basically every, ma every major piece of Joker media post-Killing Joke, which is that Joker is a truly pathetic individual who uses pain that he suffered to justify 
his will to burn the entire world down. By extension, it also dulls the point of why he hates and slash loves Batman so much. Batman was someone who also suffered tragedy, but decided to use it as a driving force to help the world. Joker is so fascinated with him because the idea of being strengthened by tragedy is incomprehensible to him and something he never truly learned. I like that point. I have nothing to add to it. I just thought it was interesting, and hopefully it makes you guys see uh, Joker in a new light. Because I, I myself uh, looked at it that way. I was rooting for him, but... What we are actually seeing is a monster being created. Like, the Joker does some truly terrible things in the real world, and I know Joker 2 is coming out, and it's probably going to build on that fact. We cannot root for him. We can't do it. We have to bind together and get him. Get him. Um, the next one is people who are supposed to be the good guy but are actually the bad guy are the kids and the Lucky Charms or Tricks commercials. Because the Lucky Charms, they're always like snatching the Lucky Charms out of the, the leprechaun's hands. And tricks are for kids, so they steal it from the bunny even when he's about to get that bite he so desires. And maybe they're just teaching a lesson, but come on. Let the freaking rabbit have some cereal. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> I agree with that one. It's, it's silly. Aren't we supposed to teach kids how to share? Aren't we supposed to do that? There's a lot of things we should be teaching kids right now, but as a society, man, <laughs> that's just another argument we wait and have. And we already know what Alex thinks about arguing. <laughs> oh my gosh. The map from Dora the Explorer. Say what you want, but I think that little freak is working with Swiper. How does he always know where Dora is or where she's going? I hate the freaking map. I'm the map. I'm the map. I get it. You're doing your job. Get over yourself. I'd use the map as toilet paper. These are, these are just Reddit posts that I'm reading from, by the way. And, like, the map always seems to send Dora down the most dangerous path. Dora, I want to get milk. Okay, first we go through the Valley of Serial Killers. True. It is true. Like, they always seem to... We gotta go through the freaky swamp. <laughs> Screw that guy, man. Then we go down. He says, Peter Pan... Dude cut off a guy's hand for poops and giggles and fed it to a freaking crocodile. I should probably start covering up, stop covering up the curse words and just edit them out altogether. But yeah, no, he was kind of uh, leading people astray. And isn't Peter Pan a, uh, I know there's a bunch of different ways that it's kind of taken, but isn't that kind of a metaphor for somebody who never grows up, go to Neverland and... That's the lesson that the movie's trying to teach, isn't it? That we all have to grow up, but we can't lose that childlike wonder. But Peter Pan's literally like preventing kids from growing up. And so a bunch of these people that are considered losers in society, we can blame Peter Pan for that, can't we? Can't we? Just saying. Glinda, the quote-unquote good witch from Wizard of Oz. She murdered the Witch of the East, stole her shoes, and gave them to Dorothy. She then tells Dorothy that if she wants to get home, she should go see the wizard. After the wizard is revealed as a fraud, Glinda shows up and is like, you could have gone home at any time just by clicking your heels together. <laughs> I never thought about that. What a freaking jerk. Jerry from Tom and Jerry. He annoys Tom, and when Tom tries to catch him, Tom has to face the consequences instead of Jerry. And yeah, here's my side note. He's the house cat who in many episodes was hired for the sole purpose of getting rid of this little home invader. It's no different than if a spider were to come into the home and be treated no differently than such. So yeah, like you hire an exterminator to kill the spider. And then 
whenever the spider like goofs him up that everybody's like mm, you know what he wasn't doing his job properly but come on who's the real enemy here the exterminator or the spider yeah jack from jack and the beanstalk he literally breaks into a giant's house steals his treasure and then kills him when the giant tries to get his gold back yeah no we the way we tell that is like oh the giant's this terrifying monster no the giant literally is no different than whenever a spider is on our wall we'll keep using that analogy if a spider's on the wall you're like oh look at this little home invader let me get rid of him that was what the giant was doing with the little tiny jack just because he's a normal sized human being doesn't mean we can not look at him as the villain walter white from breaking bad and this is a big one Significant amounts of people think that Walter White was the hero who was willing to go to extremes to provide for his family, completely ignoring countless outs he has and the fact that he literally admits it was all about the hubris in the finale. Yeah, no, plus he does some very terrible things and literally is like, I enjoyed it. I was good at it. He's a terrible human being. He does increasingly more terrible things. And I think that's the interesting part of the show is because they paint him in a way that makes us root for the bad guy. And that's like one of the most significant events in all of cinema. Dumbledore from Harry Potter. He puts child soldiers he trains in danger on a regular basis due to his own incompetence. Deliberately withholds important information that would have been useful to Harry at the start of the year so that he can somehow learn a valuable lesson. And does nothing about Harry's abusive guardians despite knowing dang well they abuse him and more or less raised Harry to die just to stop Voldemort. Yeah, that might have been included massive spoilers, but true. If you haven't seen Harry Potter by now, sorry. <laughs> and then Mrs. Doubtfire. This one was a big one because I completely agree with this. And maybe this is kind of why I didn't enjoy it. Even though Robin Williams is a fantastic human being and he's enjoyable to be around. The character just was not likable. Mrs. Doubtfire, the guy who was dismissed Doubtfire, was a deadbeat dad that lost custody. He was given very fair terms to see his kids again. Get a stable job and stop being a passive-aggressive deadbeat. Instead, he decides to pretend to be an old lady to infiltrate his own house and use that knowledge to manipulate his family. Then, when his wife dates a Pierce Bronson, who seems like a good dude and genuinely liked her kids and was willing to be a father figure for them, what does he do? He vandalizes his car knowing and knowingly gives him cayenne pepper in spite of knowing that it is a, a death... Man, he worded this dumb. Deadly allergic to it. The poor guy could have died, but it's okay because Miss Doubtfire is the hero, right? <laughs> he just wanted to see his kids. Yeah, well, he had a way to see his kids. Kind of went outside the law, and it's like, man, this is a bit extreme, isn't it? Yeah, it's a funny premise, but come on now. You're telling me he's not willing to get a job, but he's willing to try and pull off that ruse? Interesting. And then a simple one. The Incredible Hulk. The dude does more property damage to cities, literally costing millions of dollars to fix, than he actually helps out. Like, there are sure there are some big monsters, but most of these big monsters are created for the sole purpose of killing the Hulk in the first place. No one's literally like, my dream is to inject myself with this concoction and become this big giant monster. No, they're literally doing it so they can try and defeat the Hulk. So all those millions of dollars he's literally trying to stop... If he wasn't the Hulk, he would have stopped in the first place. Plus, like, he's a menace. Like, up until he regains, like, self-awareness past a primitive level with all the world Hulk stuff. I don't know. Villain. Put the, put the cap of villain on it. But I digress.
And then the final article that I will be sharing with you guys today is different instances and fun facts about various movies. We got a uh, couple of them from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original one with Gene Wilder. Fun fact, none of the actors but Gene Wilder knew the tunnel scene was coming. Like, they had the lines and stuff, but they thought it was just going to be your boat ride. And when the lights came on and started singing, their terror was real. This happened a lot throughout the movie, which is one of the reasons why it's such a great film. The directors did the same thing when they all saw the inside of the factory for the first time. They wanted to show the face of pure imagination to capture it all. The same thing with the scene where he comes out of the factory to greet them. None of them had gotten to meet Gene beforehand, so when he came out and hobbled on the cane, and they all had these confused looks on their faces, and actually looked concerned when he starts to tumble forward. It's all legit reaction. That whole movie was successful because it messed with everyone who wasn't Gene Wilder. <laughs> so they were all experiencing it, just like the audience experienced it for the first time. And then uh, Wilder was initially hesitant, but finally accepted the role to become Willy Wonka under one condition. When I make my first entrance, I'd like to come out of the door carrying a cane and walking towards the crowd with a limp. After the crowd sees Willy Wonka as a cripple, they all whisper to themselves and then become deathly quiet. As I walk toward them, my cane sinks into one of the cobblestones I'm walking on and stands straight up by itself. But I keep on walking until I realize I no longer have my cane. I start to fall forward. Just before I hit the ground, I do a beautiful somersault and bounce back up to great applause. When Stuart asked why Wilder want this particular set of events, he simply replied, because from that time on, no one will know whether I'm lying or telling the truth. That's be it's it's brilliant. <laughs> that just shows his chops as an actor, because an actor isn't just somebody who's able to adapt into a role. He adds to a role. It's not just a role he accepts he's going to become that character. And then make changes to the character as he sees necessary to, to make the character to be the best version of that character it could possibly be. And Gene, Gene Wilder throughout his history, even though there's a lot of movies that of his that I wasn't a big fan of, it wasn't due to his character work. Because he was always very good at doing what I was just described. And then another one was from Jumanji, the guy who plays the hunter that chases people around. A friend of mine once went to Jonathan Hyde also a.k.a. Van Pelt, in a pub and seeing him in the production of King Lear. My friend said, your character in Jumanji gave me nightmares when I was seven. Hyde looked him straight in the eye, stepped really close so they were basically nose to nose and said, good. Then he walked away saying nothing else. <laughs> he did his job. Like that's like a heel in wrestling, the bad guy. Your, your job is to get a reaction, which is a negative reaction most of the time. And so whenever they start booing you, you can't be upset about that. You you did your job. If they boo you, you did your job. If people are like, holy crap, you terrified me. You did your job. And uh, yeah, I think that's about all I have here today. Although I did have a recent event that j literally just popped up like 30 minutes before I uh, came in and started this portion of the recording. And uh, it's in regards to KFC. There's a lot of, uh, you know, boycotts that have been happening, and for good reason. Um, but the most recent one that seems to be getting called forward by Christians, and the, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But KFC has on their cups and on their uh, 
bags and their boxes and all all sorts of other thing they're sponsoring the game Diablo 4 which the game itself is literally about becoming a paladin becoming a crusader becoming some class and going and killing demons well that is reflected in the artwork which is literally the words Diablo 4 in fire and everything well that's on the cups and stuff of KFC. Naturally, the Christian community is not happy about it. The post itself, based on the screenshot they posted, is literally a couple pictures of the cup, a couple screenshots of the main portion of the website, which of course is going to be a bunch of taglines about demonically regarded stuff. And uh, the caption of the photo was like, "I, you got to protect your children. I can't believe they're advertising this. And the reality is, it is a game about killing demons. It's not a game about becoming a demon and be, uh, worshipping demons and stuff like that. It is a game about <laughs> leading the holy charge and killing demons. And I, the moment we had the dinner at KFC and everything like that, and uh, we're seeing all of the pictures and stuff they had on the advertisements, I went, you watch. Somebody's going to call for a boycott and they're going to freak out about this. And sure enough, it is. It's in the same vein of how uh, there's a Christian band called Demon Hunter. Literally hunting demons. And there are people who are like, they couldn't possibly be Christian because they have demon in the name. And it, it, it's, it's just kind of ridiculous. It's blown out of proportion. To me, these are the same people that like freaked out over Pokemon and called that demonic because... They're pocket monsters, and monsters equals demons, clearly. So, I don't know. That goes along with the uh, the quick to get angry and the quick to freak, and everybody wants to be outraged by something. And KFC, you're taking the hit, because if freaking church people decide to boycott KFC, Sundays are going to be rough. <laughs> but that's where we're going to freaking end it, man. I don't know. The whole situation just reminds... The th whenever I saw that initial post, the things that came to mind were uh, from Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Anytime they saw fire, whether it was a campfire or a candle, there was this group of monsters, and it was like the old Dracula and Frankenstein and the werewolf. The werewolf, um, you know, had dentures and everything. That's how old he was. It's the retirement home for monsters. And Dracula, Dracula can't bite, Dra Dracula scrape and lick. <laughs> That's how he gets his blood. He scrapes your neck with his, his nail and licks. And then you have a PTSD uh, Frankenstein's bride who anytime she sees any form of fire, whether a candle, a campfire, or anything, she just starts screaming, fire bad, fire bad. That's the immediate um, response I get a picture from all these Christians who are freaking out over the Diablo KFC advertisement. And then the other one that comes to mind is the classic uh, Spongebob Mermaid Man. Evil! It's just... De chill, chill out a bit. <laughs> I know there's a lot of things we're called to be, but it's literally... If you do any more research other than just going to their website and seeing flames, you'll find out that it's a game and a game series about legitimately going forward and killing demons. You're not the demons, you're killing demons. Uh, which is a good message. Isn't that what we're supposed to be hoping for anyway? But I digress. I'll end the podcast there. I don't want to get too controversial. Those dang Christians are going to come and bite my bottom, even though I'm one of you.
Oh, I don't, I don't know. Don't bite my bottom, Christian. Silly. <laughs> didn't you just <laughs> go double on the controversy? Didn't you guys just boycott something over people who bite bottoms? I'm just saying, that beer can. Oh, you're a Christian, boycotting beer. Interesting. Interesting. That's why you're boycotting beer? You silly dogs. Oh, I'm just in a vortex of controversy. But regardless, ladies and gentlemen, that's where I'm in in the podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening to this far aboard and being patient with me and dealing with my negativity today. It was just such a negative episode. But hopefully presented in a way that made you laugh, giggle, and maybe even a couple times go, you know what? I dig it. I know what he's doing. He's leading me astray. He's in a wolf in sheep's clothing. Don't stray from the pack, big boy. Dude, I'm crazy. But uh, I gotta go to freaking work tomorrow, so I'm gonna stop talking, save my energy, and get some good sleep. And hopefully you guys have a good, get some good whatever you're doing today. Maybe you're eating a good chicken dinner. Hopefully it's the best chicken dinner. Maybe you do need to get some sleep before work. Hopefully it's some amazing sleep, man. But regardless, don't forget to be good people. Don't forget to be the best person by reviewing this podcast, giving me a five-star rating on wherever you get your podcasts downloading the episode commenting or even just by listening to the end you guys are helping me out big time and i just want to give you a big old thank you so yeah with that i bid you adieu and i will see you in the next one take care okay bye now